Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me, and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on wellbeing and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, I'm your host as always, and I have um, a guest today. We are talking money, but we're also going to be talking spending addiction and how that manifests with ADHD. And I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation that many of us will probably resonate with. So we have Maddie Alexander Grout. She is an award-winning money specialist. We've just been talking about TikTok, she's all over it. So if you are on TikTok, talk, go and find her. And I am really looking forward to this conversation because it touches on lots of areas that I know that so many of us with ADHD, we find challenging. So Maddie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Kate. I'm really excited to chat about this. I love talking about money. It's my favourite thing. And I love talking about ADHD as well, because it's also, weirdly, one of my favourite things. So, you know, when you say I love talking about money, that's quite an anomaly because a lot of people don't like talking about money. It's one of those things that makes people feel squeamish. It's one of those things that we actively avoid in conversations. For me, it's always been, you know, a bit of a scary topic, especially now that I run my own business. So I'd love to hear a little, let's, let's sort of backtrack and just talk a little bit about, first of all, your ADHD um, realization diagnosis but also what you were telling me before that um there was a spending addiction there and how it all interplayed and how this now has sort of gone into your business and now how you help other people with their money and finances it's quite a long a long story but i think we've got some time so it's okay um so i started looking into adhd when my 7 year old had his school report came home and his teacher said he doesn't concentrate, he doesn't pay attention, he's always fidgeting, his concentration span is awful. And I just thought, oh, I wonder if there's something that may be a little bit off here. And when he was younger, I, th- I used to think he was autistic because he used to line things up. But the more it's gone on, the more he's kind of got out of that. And he goes through phases where he like really massively fixates on things. So like he had the biggest biggest dinosaur love like everything had to be dinosaur if it wasn't dinosaur he wouldn't wear it clothing wise he wouldn't he wouldn't do anything unless it was dinosaur related and then it changed and it was ninjas and now it's pokemon cards i mean the pokemon cards thing is incredibly annoying but it started with me having a look for adhd symptoms on tiktok And that was when I decided that actually I really liked TikTok because I found it really informative. I thought this is a a really good social media platform. 
And the more videos I watched about ADHD, the more I started thinking, this is me. And then I learned that actually ADHD generally comes from a parent. And there's no way in hell that my husband's got it. Not a chance. <laughs> so I thought, it's got to be me. So I started investigating it and I ended up going down the private route because the NHS waiting list was really long. I got on the NHS waiting list about eight months ago, I think. Um, but I got my diagnosis privately within about three months. So it was a lot easier to get. It was a lot more expensive and I didn't really have the money to do it. Um, if only Klarna did things <laughs> did things where you could pay for your ADHD assessment over over time. Um, but no, it, it was useful. And ever since then, I've been on a kind of like a spiritual journey, finding out what makes my brain work and what makes me tick. It really it really helps. Hmm. So, with regards to you sort of understanding yourself with. ADHD when did you start realizing that you did have a spending addiction and how did that manifest for you so I didn't realize I had a spending addiction until I got diagnosed with ADHD but it explains my entire backstory when I went to university I got got myself into a real pickle really horrible amount of debt on day one of freshers week I walked in to the hall where they do all the freshers fair stuff and I signed up for four different credit cards didn't really know anything about money my money education when I was younger wasn't wasn't particularly good like my mum my mum always said to me don't spend money unless you've got it but she didn't explain to me really about credit cards you know they weren't really a massive thing when I was younger this was 20 years ago it felt like free money and I would just go and spend and spend and spend. I didn't know it was a spending addiction. I just thought I was being a normal teenager. I liked clothes and shoes and going out and drinking loads and partying until 4am. And I didn't realise that, that that was me craving dopamine. So I was getting the dopamine from shopping. I was getting it from eating bad food. I was getting it from drinking. I was getting it from socialising. And I went out every single night for about three years, which probably pickled my liver. But at the same time, I, if I stayed in, I didn't get that dopamine hit. So it was all about going out and dancing and getting that music and buying new clothes to go out. And the dopamine that I was craving got me into £40,000 worth of debt, which is a lot of money. And when you start getting bailiffs knocking at your door and you start getting people, debt collectors, you know, coming and sending you threatening letters, I moved. I moved house to try and get away from my problems. And I didn't really realise this, but they follow you. <laughs> so brushing things under the carpet doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. um, and I became incredibly depressed. I really, really had got myself into such a mess. So... One day I decided, I'd actually broken up with a boyfriend and I decided that I needed to come home and see my mum and I hadn't told my mum any of this and she was so disappointed in me and she was like, you need to pay it back, you need to go to citizen's advice, you need to go and start making amends for what you've done and I was so ashamed, I felt awful 
And one of the things that that people who have spending addictions need not to feel is ashamed. Because if I'd have known why I did that earlier, it would have made so much more sense. And I don't think I would have felt the shame and the guilt that I that I felt. But when I went to Citizens Advice, they were like, right, well, this is this is a debt plan. This is how you need to budget. This is how you pay your debts off. And we worked out that it was going to take me 60 years to pay off all of my debts. I wasn't happy with that <laughs> at all. So I basically started my own method. Now, it's in the money-saving world, there is a method called the 50-30-20 rule, where you spend 50% of your monthly income on your essentials so like your 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 mortgage your rent the essential bills then you spend 30% on your everyday living so like food and your wants and your your needs and then 20% goes to paying off your debts so I decided that I wanted to kind of mix this rule up a bit so I did the 50 40 10 rule so I spent 40% of my monthly outgoing my monthly incomings on paying off my debts so I managed to pay them off in a quite a, a short period of time six years but I found a new addiction and this addiction actually helped me which is a weird way of saying it but I swapped my addiction for going out spending money on expensive clothes and shoes I swapped it for charity shop shopping and yellow sticker shopping which made me a really really good ground for being a money specialist and the more money I saved the more I paid off my debts the more dopamine I got so actually when I was when I was shopping for yellow stickers and charity shop things I was getting the need that I had to constantly get that dopamine fixed at a much 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 lower price and that led to me setting up my VIP rewards which is a, a money-saving website that helps people to save on their everyday living expenses. Now, I set that up because I love a discount, and now I don't buy anything unless there is a discount attached to it. That money-saving, and for me to be able to go and talk on my TikTok about my money-saving, is the thing that keeps me going. So I absolutely love finding a discount, and I wanted to share that with everybody, um, and I think that actually my VIP rewards is something that a lot of ADHD people need in their life. Because if you do have problems spending, which most of us do, it's that Amazon thing where you're like, click, 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 Amazon. Oh, yeah, so easy to order. Um, we can help people to save money on that with gift vouchers for Amazon. We can help people to save money on their supermarket shopping and all of those kind of things. So it it really, really does help. But I do spend an awful lot of my time talking on my TikTok about how ADHD affects me and my buying habits. Mm. Because I'm absolutely awful for getting an email through from somebody and being like, oh, that looks good. I'll buy that. I'm a salesperson's dream. Um, and I'm going to be really open and honest now. So my VIP Rewards has just um, been bought out by a group. Um, really sadly, I had to liquidate our original um, our original business. And this is the first time I'm talking about this openly, so you have the exclusive. <laughs> um, but basically, we had really, really bad cash flow problems. And 
one of those cash flow problems I would attribute to my ADHD because I am an absolute sucker for anybody trying to sell me something. Uh, there are so many courses out there that I have bought and then just not done because they sounded great, but then I don't have the capability or the brain power to actually go and sit down and do a course. So I would say that I probably spent way too much money on things that I didn't need and just things that I thought would make the business look shiny. And really sadly, that was to the detriment of my VIP Card Limited, our, our first limited company. I was very, very lucky that my new boss, um, Alex, found me, offered me a job, saw my potential in marketing and then also said, my VIP Rewards has actually got so much potential. It's really sad that you're liquidating it. Can I buy the assets and can we start again? So that's basically what we're doing. Um, but ADHD has been a big part of of that process because I don't think that I would have been... It's weird because it, on one hand, I'm a, I'm a money specialist. But on the other hand, I am also a money spender. And that can be quite hard sometimes. Yeah, I mean, what, thank you so much, firstly, for, for sharing your story and for being so honest because I know that... Um, I mean, like, there was so many parts of your story that I was resonating with and I'm sure many people listening were. Um, I think what you, you describe is very common because we are always looking for dopamine. We're always seeking dopamine. We are deficient. And so our addictions can come in all shapes and sizes, you know, whether it's shopping, it's porn, it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's eating, it's anything that can just, you know, fill that dopamine up for us. And so it's... I think there's a, there is shame there because people don't want to talk about that and they don't want to talk about what gives them that dopamine hit. Courses, again, you know, this is something that I'm considering hugely because I want to create more online content for my audience. There's only one of me and I can only do so much one-to-one -one work. So I want to be able to take my work digitally and, and help more people. But I'm also super conscious that courses for ADHD people are really hard to finish. And I, I have this experience myself. So I want to be able to ensure that I am delivering something that is um, right for the ADHD brain, that's right for my audience. And without in any way, um, I don't know, creating like an impulsive buy for them, which is why I do a lot of one hour workshops, because I feel that that is um, for them money well spent. They've got the hour and that's that's helpful. They can commit to an hour. So you're just making me think about lots of things there. And it's the recognition that actually money and ADHD can be really tricky from all from so many different angles. You know, I 100 percent relate to having dyscalculia I haven't been diagnosed officially but I think if I if I was that would probably be really validating for me I don't think I have dyslexia but for me dyscalculia and money and figures and numbers and excel spreadsheets I talk about this a lot in the podcast has been a massive challenge for me so what now that you have now that you have this awareness now that you are, you've gone through this, I guess it was probably quite a difficult process with your business to be able to recognise that you are um, on one hand, this money saving um, specialist, you understand how to find bargains and discounts and, and recognise that you can get that same dopamine hit by buying discounted and charity shop goods. But also on the other hand, our ADHD brains aren't going anywhere and we're still going to be living with this kind of 
contradiction and knowing that the dopamine is always going to be there, that we're always going to be seeking it. How are you managing that now in your life? I think honesty. Um, Honesty is the best policy. And I am showing up all the time talking about ADHD, talking about it on LinkedIn, talking about it on TikTok, talking about it with my friends and trying to manage people's expectations. So when my new boss offered me the job, I said to him, Alex, I've got ADHD. And he said, no shit. <laughs> Excuse my French. Uh, but he, he's he been very, very understanding about what I need. Um, and we've had really long, in-depth talks about what my strengths are and where I should be playing. So we both know that I'm terrible at admin. I'm terrible at figures. I really, really should not have been a business owner who is in charge of money. I am absolutely brilliant at marketing and social media and personal branding and the things that, you know, also having a big head as well. Um, But, you know, those things are the things where I excel. So we know the areas that need plugging within his business to give me that support, but also to make it really successful. So I'm just being very, very aware and constantly learning. I'm learning new things. And like, for example, the other day, I suffer really badly with um, rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And on my second day of, of the new job, I designed a logo. Now, bear in mind, I'm not a logo designer. I'm not a graphic designer in any way, but I was just kind of trying to help out the process. And Alex said to me that it wasn't my best work. And that hit me really hard. I was like, I'm in a new job. This is really horrible. It's not my best work. And actually he's gone and got someone else to do it better. And if I hadn't known that I had ADHD, that would have probably made me go, oh, I don't like this job. I'm going to quit. Whereas instead I thought about it and I thought, Maddie, you're not a graphic designer. Of course, a graphic designer is going to do it better than you. It was still your idea to do it in the first place. It's not a criticism. Don't take it as one. But I had the conversation with Alex and I said to him, that's how I felt for a little bit. And he was really understanding and really supportive. And I think just being open and honest with people around you about what you're experiencing really does help you to manage it better. And always, always learning, just being on that train where you just need to find out more about your brain. Because there is, and it, it's really helped me to understand what's gone on um, in the past with with friendships, with money, with relationships that I've had, with boyfriends. You know, I've had boyfriends who I've suffocated completely just by hyper-focusing on them and them being the only thing in my life. And that's terrifying for somebody. Um, and I've also had friendships where I've done exactly the same. So you've just got to be aware being aware is the thing that I think helps you with it. Yeah, I think that's really, um, it's really powerful to be able to hear that back because the awareness is what stops us from doing something impulsive or it stops us from, like you say, that if when the RSD just kind of kicks in, it allows us to have that space, that perspective to be able to say, okay, what's going on here? When before we don't have that, we don't understand it and we might just react and do something that, you know, is not in our best interest. So, I mean, your boss sounds very understanding and compassionate and I wish that there was lots of other bosses like him for him to have that understanding. 
Yeah, it's a drum that I bang because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff around um, at the moment about diversity and inclusion, and neurodiversity is something that is so important for employers, HR departments. People need to understand that every single person is different. Not put somebody in a box, and that one person's wants and needs are completely different to another's. And having ADHD can make situations in the workplace really difficult in the past I've struggled to fit in with people I'm a massive oversharer I just don't know when to shut up so that has been uncomfortable and it's got me into situations where you know I've been taken to HR or um, my boss has told me off for sharing something that I shouldn't have shared I don't know when to stop and I think that a lot of people within the workplace have this problem but employers actually understanding that that is a to a certain extent you know it is a, a disadvantage to to people whose brains are slightly different it needs to be you know that the awareness of it isn't just you being aware of it as somebody with ADHD it's educating other people to be aware of it so that they don't treat people the same as everybody else or or differently you know because actually at the same time we want to be treated and included but not segregated yeah I mean what you were just saying then about being an oversharer and I was just thinking you know we got we don't we can't change our personality the minute we walk through an office door or we sit around a meeting table like we can't just have like literally two personalities and so I just wonder if there's going to be maybe a bit of a shift. I think, you know, after COVID, where people have been working from home and coming back into the offices now, where authenticity is celebrated, like you say, like we can have a more of an exclusive, inclusive conversation where we are more open and honest and we can be more truthful about ourselves and when we're talking about our mental health and neurodiversity and the way we like to work and um, our strengths and our challenges and be just be more open and honest because we kind of put people, especially who are sort of like top end, you know, management um, on a bit of a pedestal and, you know, making out that everyone has to be in a box and they're robotic and they do that job and that's how they're meant to act and that's how they're meant to show up. But who dictates, who tells us what's oversharing? And I wonder if, you know, being in the UK where we are quite stifled with our emotions and we are more kind of like clipped with what we share and what we don't. I just wonder if there's, you know, other um, cultures and other countries where it isn't as, you know, we can talk more truthfully and openly and honestly. And I, and I wonder if it's maybe in the UK where we are a little bit more reserved and also just to be able to to know that it's okay to say, listen, I've got ADHD, this is how it shows up, this is where I'm going to need a bit more support, and it's not this kind of like scary taboo stigma conversation. Exactly. I yeah. do believe we are edging towards her very slowly, and I'm on LinkedIn, and I, and I don't know if I'm in a bit of an echo chamber because I follow a lot of people in this space, but... I just wonder, I see a tide changing on LinkedIn, which is a lot more of the professional conversations and, you know, talking about work and careers. And I hope that all companies are now recognising the power of, you know, inclusion and understanding people's differences and working with people as opposed to against people. And what you said to, you know, your boss that you are brilliant at social media, marketing, branding, 
but you are going to need help with, you know, the account side and um, other... It's not even help. I just don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. Exactly. (laughs) But why should we be able to do all things? Like, I I always think that, like, I don't think our brains are built for that. But for some reason, we've been told that we need to be good at all things. And if we're not good at all things, then we have a weakness or there's something wrong with us or we're not good at our jobs. And this, you know, really feeds into our self-esteem and our self-belief and... It has huge impacts on our mental health, but also our career traje- trajectory. I never can say that. Yeah, yeah. And, and what we can achieve. So I'm just interrupting today's episode just to give you a little reminder that I have a new website. My new website is now adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. And on there, I have put all my resources, workshops, anything that's coming up, and also information about the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective. So it's all in one space. And if you go into the workshop area, you'll be able to find all my pre-recorded workshops. So if you've missed anything, if you're interested in learning more about ADHD and EFT, I have a workshop on ADHD and burnout, how to avoid the boom and bust cycle. And the recent workshop that I did a couple of weeks ago, which was all about releasing indecision, procrastination and self-doubt using EFT. Now, I've also created something called the ADHD Holistic Starter Kit. And in this, you get access to my top three ADHD wellbeing workshops in one place. So I've discounted it for you. And the three workshops are Thriving with ADHD Post-Diagnosis, Using EFT Tapping to Help with Your RSD, and Managing Your Nervous System with ADHD. So there's about three and a half hours worth of workshops there and that's all in one holistic starter kit they would all be sold for about 33 pounds but the the package is 90 pounds so I just wanted to let you know that if you want to just have a nosy there's lots of free resources as well you get access to all the podcast episodes and you can learn more about working with me and sign up to my waiting list for one-to-one coaching and group coaching so that is adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk now back to this week's podcast one of the things that I talk about a lot is the sort of things that you could do to help your ADHD when it comes to money. Um, you know, I can give you a couple of tips yeah, now. Actually, go on, it'd be, be nice for you. be nice for the so avoid cl- things like Klarna and pay now. You know, buy now, pay later because they are literally the worst nightmare for people with ADHD. You'll probably forget to pay, and you'll end up in trouble. So just don't do that. Try and avoid credit cards at all costs if you can. Make sure that with sales emails, I wouldn't say don't get them because I know that a lot of people with ADHD do enjoy looking for bargains, but have them go into a separate folder so that you don't have to look at them when they come in. So it's not that impulse, like buy this now, this is a really great offer. You can just go and check when you want to look through um, and, and find offers. Unlink your cards from Amazon. It is and unlink your cards from Deliveroo, unlink them from everywhere. Because if you physically have to put your number in, it is going to take more effort to get. And then that's a bit of a barrier between you and your spending. Um, and also as well, I would I would just say, you know, keep an ear out for people like me. There are other people who talk about money um, and it it can be really helpful just knowing that you're not on your own with these things and find cheaper things to spend your money on. Don't do those hobbies. The hobbies are the worst things because the amount of money that my different various hobbies have cost me over the years is insane. I thought that I wanted to be a sewer. I wanted to do um, sea glass collection. I mean, like, I've 
my hobbies change all the time. It's crazy. Well, but I mean, with, with that. that, with the hobby, so that kind of like conflicts with like my my bit of my well-being side because I always say lean into what brings you joy, lean into what yeah, that is true fills you up and gives you that creative spark. But I agree with you because I have been on the receiving end of the hobby fixation and the hyper focus and spent a lot of money and then just kind of dumped everything back into a charity shop because the thought of selling it all on eBay and everything was just far too much. And so I, I wonder how do, okay, give me, give it, can you give us some examples of ways we can choose a hobby or a hyper-focus that feeds our creative desire, but doesn't bankrupt us at the same time? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think researching, doing a bit of research and maybe having a budget allowance for the thing that you, that you want to do. So I wanted to do crafting, but I didn't really know what I wanted to make. I just wanted to do crafting stuff. So I bought this massive box with like decoupage and felt and needlework and like all of these things. And I've just now got this like box of like doom, which has got all of all of my crafty stuff in it. <laughs> I haven't touched it for about four years, maybe even five. Just make sure that before you go and invest loads and loads of loads of money, that it's something that you're going to do longer term. And that does involve a bit of thinking. Don't go and buy a sewing machine just because you think you want to sew something. Sew one thing and then never do it again. But I think being aware of having new hobbies and new spending really, really helps you to to keep track of that money. Because now, looking back at it, I haven't had a new hobby like this for ages because I say to my husband, oh, I want to do, oh, I want to go and do uh, pottery classes. And he says to me, Maddie, you don't. Your ADHD wants you to go and do one pottery class and then you'll probably never do it again, so don't spend the money on it. And I'm like, yeah, fair point. So talking about it with people around you really, really does help too. It's like it's having an accountability. It's having someone that understands when that hyper focus is going to show up. And, you know, your husband sounds really in tune with that. And I think that's really important. So he might he might be in tune with that, but he is very much not in tune with the rest of my life and is constantly like, why don't you ever tidy up after yourself? Why are there small piles of things all around the house? Why, why, why? Okay, so you've just blitzed the entire house in like four hours. Why can't you do that more often? And I'm like, I won't do that for another year and a half because <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> so yeah. I think, I think it, it must be really hard actually for partners who have ADHD partners because, yes. you know, they, we are a different breed. And, you know, he, he often calls me lazy and I'm not lazy at all. I know I'm not lazy. I've, I'm probably one of the most passionately hyper-focused people. It's just that, when I zone out, I zone and I just want to scroll through my phone. And, you know, when he says to me, Maddie, do I have to send you a text message to get your attention? I'm like, yes, that would be nice. Thank you. Uh, because that's all I want to be doing in that moment in time. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you on all of that. And um, I'm thinking about my charity shop. I don't want to call it an addiction, but it is definitely a, a dopamine hit for me. I've always loved charity shops, vintage shops, anything like that. And I went the other day and um, I've taken my daughter with my little daughter because she loves it. Because I always say to her, like, you go in and you find a book or a little this or a little that and she, she'll always come out with something. Um, and my new kind of hyper-focus in a charity shop is like a vintage teapot. Now, I don't drink tea out of a teapot ever. They're so pretty. But 
I can't resist an old vintage 1970s teapot or, um, you know, like finding one that is all like ornate with beautiful gold on it. So I now have a cupboard of beautiful teapots for that time when I'm going to do a big afternoon tea or have loads of people over which hasn't happened for ages. But in my head, I'm gonna put all my teapots out that I bought from a charity shop. But I'm forgiving myself for that because they're not expensive. They are taking up space, but they are very pretty. So I'm just gonna live with my teapots, charity shop obsession right now. But this conversation has made me aware that I probably don't need to go and buy any more vintage teapots for the moment. But I used to do, this was like, you know, my, hyper-focused hobby slash sort of side hustle when I was planting succulents in lots of vintage um, teapots and vessels and vases and pots and all that. And I would go and buy lots of things from charity shops and then I'd plant all beautiful succulents and cacti in them and I'd sell them. And that was like the biggest dopamine buzz ever. Like literally I'd find the perfect pot and it would be like the perfect ceramic and that I could visualize the plant I wanted to put in it and I'd wrap it all up and I'd sell it. And that was for me was just like ADHD heaven. And then one day, pretty much out of nowhere, I lost the buzz, I lost the passion. And I was stuck with stones and soil and pots. And literally I had to do about 10 visits to the charity shop to just dump everything that I'd bought back in there. And I planted lots of you know, pots for friends and family. And then that was the end of my succulent planting. But it just shows, doesn't it, how powerful that need for the dopamine is and the buzz because it is addictive you know that rush of adrenaline that we get when we do the thing that we want so it's just being mindful that you know perhaps we can channel it into different things um channel it into it's it's a hard one channeling it into like a healthy way but also being but, super aware yeah. this is the thing for me so me channeling so my new addiction my new hobby is helping people to save money. So that's that's where I channel my, you know, if, if I want to buy something, I'll go and do a TikTok. If I want to, um, you know, if I, if I see something that's, that's slipping in me, I just think, right, that this is something that I need to share with the world. And this is how I think my journey is going to progress. So I'm in the middle of writing a book, um, which is all about my ADHD money story. I'm also thinking, so I, I've had a podcast myself for a while, Mad About Money, where I interview people about their money stories. And I've decided to kind of change that up a little bit and actually have it where I just talk to people with ADHD about their money stories. Because I think there's a massive niche out there. Definitely. So that's that's something that, that I, I think, you know, that will be a hyper-focus of mine, but I think it'll be a hyper-focus for good and it will help people. Yeah. I mean, that's brilliant. It really will be. And I think what you're doing is going to be, and is super helpful, but it's going to be even more powerful than you probably think because the money side brings a lot of shame and it's, we can accept lots of things, but especially in this day and age right now where things are very, very tough for people, you know, to have that shame that we can't quite be in control of our finances and money. And, you know, we might be an adult with children and all sorts of things, but the money thing still kind of 
takes that takes us back to being a kid in a classroom that you know we don't know what's wrong with us we don't understand so to be able to support people feel that self-belief that they are in control of their life their family the house their shopping all of that um i think is amazing so I'm, i wish you lots of luck and i can't wait to hear about the podcast i can't wait to hear about the book and um, i will make sure that people you know hear about it here so you know you'll have a great audience so just direct people to where they need to go to find you to get all these fantastic tips that you've got yes yeah, so there are a few places that you can find me um tiktok mad about money official um, my website for my VIP rewards is myvoprewards.co.uk. I also run a parenting app, which we haven't really discussed, but that's all about helping parents to save money um, and actually helping parents to share experiences, tips. We do have an ADHD group in Parenthood app as well. Um, it's free to download. So if you go to www.parenthoodapp.io, um, then you can uh, download Parenthood for free and come and join the ADHD community. Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, we'll make sure that all goes in the show notes so people have got that. Thank you. But thank you so much, Maddie, for sharing your story. And I really appreciate your honesty and your transparency and, you know, helping other people as well, using all your challenges and struggles and, and feeding it into a, you know, for a force for good. Because for that reason, to be able to, I think very often when we're learning lessons ourselves we have to sort of sit in it for a little bit and then we share it and that always um, is worthwhile so I really appreciate you doing that you're more than welcome thanks for having me on thanks Maddie so that's today's episode done did what we talk about resonate with you I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life And if you did find this episode insightful, please do consider sharing it. Knowledge and awareness is power, especially with ADHD. You can also head over to the show's Instagram page, which is ADHD Women's Wellbeing Pod, and join the community that's waiting for you there. And if this episode really did strike a chord, please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show. Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time.